Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome back to episode 46 of Apply Filters. This episode is sponsored, just like every other episode, by the WP Ninjas, who have been generous enough to give us a permanent sponsorship to help us produce this show. And today, we are thrilled to have uh, James Law on, uh, who is one of the co-founders of WP Ninjas. James actually joined us uh, in episode 13 to talk about, along with his developer, Kevin, and co-owner, I believe is right. Yep. Uh, so that was back in episode 13. And now we want to jump back in now that it's been five to six months or so and learn how the WP Ninjas have been doing since then. So James, say hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. It seems like it's been it's been ages. You guys have covered so much stuff since episode 13. Like so That's much has happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. I, and, and I'm pretty sure a lot has happened on your side of the fence too, right? Yeah, our our company has oh, has changed dramatically, uh, almost scary. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. it's, it's definitely been fun to watch, and I I really cannot wait to to hear more about it. I'd love to jump in to a little bit more of your personal history. I know last time sure. we we talked a lot about I think the relationship between you and Kevin and, and how the uh, the business has grown, but I think it'd be cool to step back and go a little further back and maybe like when you got into WordPress, what you did beforehand, your other, your, your personal history. Yeah. Stage is yours. Okay. Well, you know, before I even got into WordPress, uh, I'd probably spent uh, eight years as a full-time pastor. Um, I was doing associate ministry and then decided to kind of start and plant my own church in our hometown and uh, started that journey. And so my first kind of connection with WordPress was really blogging for the church, just trying to Uh, Just thoughts that I had, insights I had, if I wanted to kind of go through a passage of scripture and kind of share my own thoughts on it or current events or whatever, um, I would just blog. It was just kind of my way to communicate with the congregation beyond Sunday mornings. Cool. So was that like a, like a self-hosted WordPress or, or, uh, you you know, it's, you know, we, when we started, I tried all the other platforms. I had tried Blogger, you know, I tried a whole bunch of them and didn't like any of them. So I wanted something with a little more control. So I, yeah, I did a self-hosted um, now, now to in, in my defense, I did a self-hosted WordPress, but I had been doing kind of freelance web design for some time. Um, I started so, out actually doing a lot of Flash stuff and in the, in the old old days. And were you the one that actually took charge of setting the website up, or did someone hand you it and say, "Hey, this is WordPress. This is what you can use"? I, I set it up all myself. Cool. Um, yeah, so I kind of got involved in it, and I've always I've always been a tinker anyway. So. Uh, WordPress was just kind of the perfect fit for me to be able to kind of, and I didn't even know how much I'd be able to tinker with it in the beginning. So I was figured out how to install it. And, you know, at that time, most of the sites that I had done were all static, you know, kind of HTML sites. And then I started to move into Flash for some more, you know, dynamic stuff, at least visually dynamic, and then got into WordPress and kind of fell in love with it. Um, Had to start tweaking themes and stuff like that. So we were kind of a weird church at that time because our website made us appear like we were a much better put together congregation than we were because uh, it was really fancy and had all these great features that I, cause I would tinker all the time. But that's kind of how I got into it. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So I, I spent a lot of time doing that. And then as, as the, you know, the church continued and, and when we planted, I actually, cause I was a full-time paid pastor. And when I started the church, I wasn't paid anymore. We didn't have a congregation that could afford to pay me. So I had to start taking odd freelance jobs and 
other just strange work. I was a you know a super I was an assistant supervisor at Hobby Lobby for a while. I started doing web development for a fashion jewelry website. I was one of their full time uh, web developers. So I started doing that, uh, just any any kind of odd jobs that I could get a hold of to kind of pay for my ability to continue to be in ministry. Huh. So when did you transition from uh, using web development to support your, your ministry career to using web development to fund your web development career? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because so in, the, in that transition, I ended up working for our regional credit union as their web administrator. And that's when I really started to dig into WordPress a lot more, like very heavily getting into plugin development for them because they had all kinds of things that they needed done and they needed a powerful intranet. And so I started building out all this stuff for them. And it was while I was at the credit union that we did a little project for uh, the local junior achievement chapter in our in our area. And they needed a, basically a custom registration form for any type of event. So they may have needed to register people for uh, a bowling tournament with you know four players on a team and however many teams. And so it had to be very custom for that use case. If they wanted to do a breakfast, that would require totally different information. And we didn't, I w- while I was getting more involved in WordPress, I wasn't as familiar with all of the other solutions that were available. So we built one, uh, my partner and I, and we just kind of played around with it and built this kind of really ugly form builder that that worked. It fit their purpose. It was very specific to what they needed. And when we got done with it, we thought, I wonder if we could sell it. Like, I wonder if other people would use it. So that's when we kind of transitioned and made the journey. So that was in 2010 that we built that for the client. And then from 2010 till June of 2011, we kind of generalized it, cleaned it up a little bit, made it a little more ready for prime time and released it in June of 2011. And that's that's where it started. So hang on. So so did you, your partner, Kevin, mm-hmm. that's who you were just referring to. That's <laughs> right? correct, yes. Did you guys, did you guys meet at the credit <laughs> My union? My business partner. Sometimes I feel like I have to clarify that. <laughs> yes, it's business partner. Yes. <laughs> it's my business partner. <laughs> yes. Did you guys meet at the credit union when you're working there or... No. So interestingly enough, we met at the church. He came and visited the church that I was pastoring. Uh, just as a as a member, a congregant, started coming, and we kind of connected and, and kind of built a friendship uh, from the church. I didn't know he knew anything about development. Uh, he didn't know that I did anything with design. We just kind of became friends and uh, would hang out. Uh, I'd go over to his place, and we'd play Halo or something, and just kind of like just random things. And then over time, as I was building out the church website, he started to get more involved and asking questions and seeing if he could help. And then we just ever since we've been trying to build something together for years from that day. So it's kind of been crazy. That's cool. I I have a question for you and I don't remember if we covered this all uh, back in episode 13 or not. So uh, if we're repeating it, sorry. Um, (laughs) So you have, you transitioned to careers, you went from ministry to web development and there was a transition period over time. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, there's a couple of ways that um, that final jump can happen. Uh, you can have your side project as web development and discover suddenly that it's doing well enough that you can easily transition to to web dev yeah. and everything is pretty smooth. Or you have this side stuff that you do on the side at night, in the evenings, et cetera. And it's doing enough to tell you that there's potential there, but you're still making a leap. Yeah. So when you decided to make that transition, was it was that a hard process? Was it 
was it pretty clear that you guys were going to be able to do it or was it a lot of we hope this works yeah from the very beginning so we started with a lot of different things we did some non-web application development for a local restaurant that had a catering business and so we had kind of built out this catering system using i think access at the time like that was the database we were using uh, and it was just really raw. We did some design work where we would do promotions like business cards and door hangers and things like that for businesses. So we did a lot of different things. So I think for us, it was it, it didn't become a clear transition really until 2013. So in 2011, we watched, you know, when I moved over to the credit union, honestly, I was not qualified for the job. I um, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm a fairly good BS artist at times. And so I wanted the job. I thought I could grow in the position and I had, I do a good interview. So they gave me the job and I learned so much by just building things that they needed, learned how to do it. So I basically, it was kind of on the job training. And so then when we built this plugin, uh, 2011, the sales were terrible. So we had no clue. We were, you know, he was actually overseas. He was in Liverpool. Um, doing his master's in ancient Roman history. And I was working as, for as you do. Yeah, as, as, as all web developers do, right? <laughs> you know, they, and so he's doing that while kind of building Ninja Forms or at that point rebuilding Ninja Forms. And I'm working at this credit union and we're not making enough money that we think it can do anything. But in 2013, when we changed our business model and kind of changed direction a little bit, things just started to explode. And we thought, okay, all right, we, th we think we have something here that might be able to become something. And probably about halfway through the year, I started making my exit strategy. Uh, started saying, okay, how much money do I need to have saved up that I can feel comfortable or more importantly, that my wife can feel comfortable with me quitting my job and kind of throwing it all out on the line. Right. So you're building your parachute. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, right? That, 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 that freedom number, that number that says, okay, at this, at this point, I, I have no problems. That's cool. Yeah. And then you guys are doing really, really great uh, now. Yeah. Things have, have gone along. So maybe at this point, Piven will get into what we've been up to. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's and hear we'll, about that. And then, and then we'll jump back into what, what, how James has grown WP Ninjas. And yeah, I'm all that really stuff. looking forward to James hearing about uh, what you guys have seen as a, as a company, how you've grown, how you've mm -hmm. expanded, different, and ch mostly. That's what's all important, but I really want to hear about the challenges. Sure, um, absolutely. I think that's what is really valuable. But before we do that, Brad, yeah, yeah what sure. What have you been up to? Yeah, uh, so first thing, correction <laughs> from last episode. We talked about the readme.txt file in plugins and how you shouldn't put in uh, UTM tracking codes, so the UTM tags. Turns out there is a reason you should do that. You should put in the UTM tracking codes. And that's the reason is because the readme.txt also appears inside of WordPress, right? Ah, that is a really important point that I, th I know you and I both missed last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Phil, the hat tip for uh, that is from Phil Dirksen. Thank you, Phil, for correcting us. And thank uh, you for that episode. I went through and added campaign tagging into a whole bunch just stuff with ninja forms after that episode. Oh, nice. oh that's awesome. <laughs> so that good to hear. Awesome. Like I, I feel like that episode kind of was like wah wah. Like it just like no, no we didn't get any feedback, right? So you just you don't know if people so Well analytics really is good. one of those things that it doesn't sound exciting until you're on the backside of it. 
Yeah. When you when you get the results of analytics, analytics tracking, then it gets exciting. Yeah. Up until then, it's kind of like, oh, I hope I don't know what I'm doing. I hope this is worth it. I just put it in all over the weekend, and just seeing the last you know few days, looking at those campaigns and seeing how things are converting and where we're getting our traffic from from those is is super exciting. So if if anybody is listening to this episode and heard that last episode and thought it was a, a dud and boring, implement it and see what you think after you see the stats come in. Yeah, that's awesome. a really good point. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would, James. Maybe we should. Uh, I'd love to reconvene with you at some point in a month, two months, and compare. To yeah, see, uh, that would be very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing about stats, right? The longer you have them, <laughs> the more valuable <laughs> they get, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, so the other things I've been up to. Uh, pri- so I, we've uh, been doing the private beta for WP Offload S3 and. Uh, getting some feedback about that and kind of iterating a little bit on that. And so we're getting pretty close to launch. It feels like, you know, next couple of weeks, but you know, you never know. The next piece of feedback could set us back longer, right? <laughs> That's how it goes. I've been tweaking the WP Offload S3 website as well. I've been getting feedback about that, about pricing, about, you know, the video that we did and stuff like that. So we've been tweaking. And is that going to have a, a standalone website or still part of Delicious Brains? Yeah, it'll still be under deliciousbrains.com. So it'll okay. be just kind of a kind of like the Apple uh, right. model, model. Sites within sites kind of. Yeah, exactly. It'll have a different feel, but it'll just it'll fly the sure. same banner. Yep. Um, I mentioned you guys at our at our meetup last night and uh, Delicious Brains. And so when I mentioned your company name, I got a, it got a lot of nice chuckles. Ah, <laughs> I know, right? You should see you no, should no, see no. the looks I get at the Chamber of Commerce here in my <laughs> little town. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I get comments like 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 frowns and then you know chuckles. <laughs> Is the you know the the reactions kind of run the gambit? You know. That's hilarious. Yeah, so other things we've been up to, we've been blogging. Uh, Jeff did a really cool post about the WP REST API, and he created a mobile app, actually, (laughs) with React Native, which is uh, Facebook's mobile app uh, framework, and used the WP API to to feed it um, data. So that was a pretty cool post, I thought. And I, I looked into Amazon Glacier and how to get your WordPress site over to there. We did a blog, I did a blog post about that, um, which was actually way more challenging. Than I thought <laughs> took a lot of research to to figure that out. Turns out Glacier is not as straightforward to use as Amazon S three. So just I don't think I've ever heard of Glacier. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's it's like it's like Amazon S three uh, except just for kind of archiving and and backups it doesn't um like you when you try to get the data out of it it just takes longer it'll take hours to get it back right so yeah anyway it's cheap it's like a third the cost of s3 when s3 is as you know is already pretty cheap right and i've been just getting out and enjoying the summer last couple months it's been nice and like we get uh, i don't know 1.5 months of summer here i think (laughs) So yeah, it's probably more important for you guys than than most people. Yeah, so I, I just I kind of take advantage. Like you know, I've been taking a couple hours off, like in the middle of the day, just to get outside and enjoy it. So nice. Yeah. What about you, Pippin? What have you been up to? Earlier this week, I think um, on Monday, we finally released our fraud monitor extension that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. So version 1.0 went out the door. Um, 
Now it's version 1.0, but it's really, it's been something that we've been using behind the scenes for about a year and a half now. So this is just the, the first uh, public version that we decided to go ahead and turn into a full-fledged extension. Uh, and so it's out the door and uh, hope, hoping to get some people on it, so get some, some good feedback for it and see how that works for people. Uh, and then the other thing is we've been working on uh, license upgrades. So we have our, our main extension called Software Licensing, which is one of the, it's one of the primary extensions for easy digital downloads. Uh, it's what powers our extension updates, our renewals, our licensing. It does it for Affiliate WP and the stuff that I sell on Pippin's plugins as well. Uh, and one of the features that we've wanted to build for a really long time is the ability for customers to upgrade their license, um, say, from a single site license to a multi-site license. Uh, and so that feature is now finally built, and we are beta testing it. So we have it live on pippinsplugins.com, and we're going to put it live on the EDD site here in the next couple of days. Uh, and so far, it's going pretty well. I'm pretty excited to get that feature released. Hopefully, it'll actually go out in a week or two, maybe. Um, but it's a pretty important feature, I think. I'm uh, pretty excited about that one. I'm, I'm excited for for everybody to be able to use it. Uh, it's definitely one of the, the major features that people have wanted a, for a long time. But it's also not just a nice feature to have. It's also a really, really important feature to have as, mm -hmm. as a business. Until we built Affiliate WP, I didn't expect as many people to want to upgrade their license as there are. So the reason I say that once we built Affiliate WP, I learned this is because we decided to go ahead and build in a custom upgrade system in, a, in on the Affiliate WP website from day one. And the number of people that upgrade was astonishing to me. And just like how much that can improve your sales as a business is quite impressive uh, because a lot of people want to jump in at the low level and then they like it. So they decide to upgrade. And so making that easy is awesome. It also decreases your support load because we would get a lot of tickets from people saying, hey, I would like to upgrade. Is there a way I can do that? Well, if we just allow you to do it without ever talking to us, that's one less ticket to deal with. So saves us time, saves customer time. Uh, it's just a win all the way around. Are you going to allow downgrades as well or just upgrades for now? Downgrades are tricky because downgrades require a refund. Yep. Yeah. So, well, or, not, or a credit or a or credit. credit. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, it's something that we will probably look into because it's not really that different going upgrading versus downgrading in terms of the technical side of things. Mm -hmm. um, so it's probably something that we will look into for now. It is just upgrades. Right. Yeah. I've never, I've never implemented downgrades cause it's just, it's just another thing on my to-do list that I haven't gotten to. <laughs> sure. And why make that, and why make that easy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Cause you know, the thing about upgrades, I think is you get lots of people who will buy that, that low, lower level and they may want to upgrade, but how many people, because there isn't an easy channel to do that or just easy don't. way of doing that, just don't. And they never bother to reach out. They just deal with it. Exactly. Yep. So making it easy for them is how you get right. You increase revenue and lower your support costs. It's just making that super easy for them. But I don't know that you want to make that super easy to downgrade. You want to make them work a little harder for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I, I think, uh, yeah, it, our, our downgrades, we don't have the option, and we but we don't even have an internal tool to do it we <laughs> our system right. right now is you have to buy basically a new license we'll, we'll give you like a coupon code or something and you just have to buy a new license we uh, have a uh edd has the ability to do it it's just kind of manually going in and adjusting data like you can do it without a new purchase but it's not 
it's not a super smooth process for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was really interesting about building this feature was um, we have, we've had a lot of feedback over the last year and a half from people that say, hey, I, I really want this feature. Is there an ETA on it? And we actually had a lot of really unhappy people as well because our ETA was usually it's coming, but we don't know when. It's coming, <laughs> but we don't know when. It's coming, but we don't know when. It revealed a really common phenomenon in product development, I think, that mm -hmm. people who are building product see, and I know that both of you are very well aware of this, that a lot of people, particularly consumers, won't see it as well. And that is where it's very easy to build something for yourself. If you have a set number of requirements, let's say I want to upgrade my license from a single site to five sites. Building that is not difficult. What is, what is difficult, however, is building a system that would allow that person to do it, but also allow the person that wants to upgrade between products while prorating the purchase, while also offering a small discount for the upgrade. <laughs> right. And basically what it means is that building a, building a feature that will work for everybody and not make it just too limited is much more difficult. And that was why it was always a, it's coming, we don't know when. It's coming, we don't know when type of answer. Because it's it's not really a simple feature to build, um, but yeah. so I'm thrilled that it's actually done now and it works. We think. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 funny. Um, I wish you had. I wish I had known that you were working on this. I probably you probably did mention it before, and I just never thought of it. But like I I built an add-on to do upgrades, and and I went through all of the pain. <laughs> calculations and all that stuff and made a lot of mistakes it's I could so fun isn't it <laughs> yeah i could have offered it to you but then you wouldn't have had as much fun i guess so <laughs> you know sometimes all you need to motivate you to build something is one person saying something negative to you yeah. uh, and in this particular case a customer you're a bum said, you're a bum <laughs> pretty much like this customer just said look we're really unhappy that this isn't here we might switch to something and i was like and it just it motivated me to say, you know what? This is getting done. I'm going to work it out. That's why I spent the next 36 hours and it was done, pretty much, is the way <laughs> yes. it worked. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it's, it's not just to appease that one person. It's because sometimes you just need to hear it one more time. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you need that. And sometimes you just need that kick in the pants. It's like we yeah. have features like that, too, that it's just like they're, they're, it's not like and that's the other thing that I would say to people on the other side of this. We're like, you know, why aren't you building this feature? It's not that we don't want that feature. We want that feature in the plugin. Like we want to build it. It's just that it is a challenging thing. And sometimes whether they real whether they think so or not, there are things that are either blockers or there are just things that are more important to the whole ecosystem as a, as a whole that have to be done. And Absolutely. so things so things sit sometimes for a year and sadly sometimes for two years and you, yep. you hate it, but that's just the way it is. That is so incredibly true. Yeah, I can relate. Our software license, licensing add-on is for WooCommerce and I have intentionally kept it a private repository. And when people ask me about it, I give them access, but with the stipulation that we are not maintaining this for anyone else. This is for us. <laughs> this is, if you want to fork it and do your own thing, that's cool, but we're not going to be doing pull requests. Like we, we just don't want this to be a distraction from our, right, right. from our other work. Because this is not something you are providing. This is something you use for yourself and you're going to allow someone else to use it as a favor. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah. I, I I hate to like not make it open source, but it, it fe I feel like it's just going to turn into a huge 
hassle, you know? <laughs> um, I, I mean, it is open source. It's it's just not published, right? Right, right, yeah. right. So I have one more thing that I want to mention, uh, and then I would love to get into, hear about how WP Ninjas has been doing, James. Sure. Um, we had an interesting day yesterday. <laughs> um, it was not very interesting in a, in a good way. It was, it was <laughs> let's just be honest, it was a bad day. Oh. So it has happened. And I, I, the reason I want to talk about it is because I think this is something that's really important. Like all three of us are, are business owners. We're working in the same sphere. And I think this is very important, especially for anybody who is listening that is either getting into a business who is already there or wants to, this is something that might happen. So let me tell you what happened. Over the last couple of months, everybody gets refund requests for whatever reason. They just natural part of going, doing business. Every now and then we would get somebody who was really unhappy and they would say, I submitted a refund request three weeks ago. I've never heard anything. I submitted again, still never heard anything. And we would go look through our systems. We have no record of it whatsoever. And sometimes it happens. People think they submitted a ticket. They, they really didn't. Um, and whether it was user error or there was a technical error, whatever, sometimes it just happens. Uh, welcome to software. Well, we noticed that it seemed to be a trend and that it, it, there were too many cases of it to be uh, just to be user error. So I started wondering about it. And I started, it was really bugging me because we kept having these people say, I submitted this two weeks ago, but never got an answer. And we work really hard to get every refund request answered within 12 hours or less. So I started digging in and I figure out what happened. Basically we have conditional logic on our form. So depending on the subject that you choose, either technical support, a billing issue, refund request, or other, we tag it in Help Scout appropriately and assign it to somebody. So like refund requests get assigned to me, tech support gets assigned to the other guys, things like that. And we realized that our conditional logic had got screwed up and our refund request, if you said, if you clicked refund request, it was going into a black hole. It was literally going nowhere. Now, thankfully it wasn't going nowhere. It just wasn't going to help scout. What was happening is that it would get a go into WordPress, which was then supposed to forward it to help scout, but it never did. Okay. And so I went in and looked and discovered that we had 77 refund requests over the course of a month and a half that had never oh. been answered. Oh, boy. Oh. Yeah. My, my, On the upside, we barely had any <laughs> refunds. Yeah, we had no refunds for a month and a half. It was great. <laughs> um, now, thankfully, it wasn't quite 77 or so because some of those were duplicates of people saying, hey, I didn't get an answer on my refund request. Here's <laughs> sure. another one. Here's another one. But we had 70 plus refunds to go through. And we're talking over the course of, I think, 75 days was the time period that this glitch existed oh, and that we wow. finally found it. And so thankfully, we were able to resend all of those to Help Scout. We got every single one of them in there. But then we had to start going through. And usually we don't process refunds out of 30 days. Now, this is a technical error on our part. So if we could right. process a refund, we're going to process it. No questions asked. Right. But there's some of these that we literally cannot process because PayPal won't let us because PayPal limits us to 60 days. After 60 days, you can't process a refund in PayPal. Yep. And so some of these, we have to go in and be like, look, I am so sorry. We have a technical error. I cannot process a refund for you. Please tell me how I can help you type of things. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a bad day. <laughs> that yeah. was all day yesterday. It was all we did. But it, um, I think it's important to understand that like, this is something that can happen. And thankfully, we're totally okay. Number one, because we have we have... I've always been very careful to make sure that we have financial cushions to make sure if something like this happens, where it's not like, oh, now we don't make payroll. 
things like that. Right. No issues with that. But I, it's just, here's my shit story for anybody else who experiences something and um, don't do this. Yeah. So let's say someone issued a refund request 70 days ago. And so you, and pay and it's through PayPal, so you can't process it. Wouldn't you? Could, couldn't you just send them like the money through PayPal though? Like, you could. Um, usually, I mean, I don't want to say that that's not going to happen because in certain cases, I think we would just decide to go ahead and do that. Right. But usually, I would not advertise right. that you can do that. Right. But uh-huh. yeah, this is a pretty special case. Right? It, it is a pretty special case. And that would be a case where if like if somebody was. Re- so what we did is we said we're unable to process a refund, but we will happily give you store credit in the amount of your purchase or like we'll work with you to resolve the issue that you had that made you ask for a refund. Um, gotcha. And so usually we would just most people would come back and okay, I'll, I'll take store credit or something. Now, if we had a case which we actually have not had any yet. Now, some people haven't responded to it yet. yet. Um, but if we have an exceptional case, yeah, we'll probably just manually send them payments. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, well, are you if, through if you don't get any refunds for a month and a half and you have a lot of sales, pay attention. Something's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> well, we had that, you know, we had something similar happen. It wasn't necessarily with conditionals. It actually had to do with the, the actual, I, I think it was a combination. I think it was mostly Mandrill, to be honest. I think Mandrill was the problem, but we had a bunch of emails that did not make it to our support system. It wasn't randomized to any too. particular category, but it was a lot of tickets. And we had to, we went through and we found them all and we created new tickets for them and reached out. But those things, you know, those those things give my uh, give my support guys a little bit of a heart attack. <laughs> like, oh, there is like, you know, however many 50, 100 tickets over a course of a certain amount of time. That's tough. Yep. We have, Not we as have, bad as we, we have seven refunds again, but. Um, Pretty consistently for a while, and I think we tracked it down. It, it, ours was also related to Mandrill, I believe. Yeah. Now, which is interesting because usually Mandrill is super great on making yeah. delivery way more reliable. But for whatever reason, these were failing. Uh, so we actually implemented a notice on the site. So after you submit the form to send it to Help Scout, we display a notice that says you will receive a confirmation. If you don't get it, your ticket has not gone through, basically. We had people question sometimes like, hey, I don't know if my ticket went through. We don't want you to question if your ticket went through. The truth is, is even if they didn't get it, it's like there's no there's no trust now to go and fill it out again. Right. Because how do I know when you're going to get that one? You almost want to say, all right, and send us a tweet or like. like well, that's actually how we discussed the, the refund debacle. Uh, somebody tweeted me and said, hey, I've been trying to get in touch with you for, for three weeks. And I go, look, I'm like, I have nothing from you. Like, I'm sorry this happened. Yeah. We don't have a ticket. Uh, and that's when I started digging. And I was actually in the process of submitting a support ticket to the forms developers to say, hey, here's my issue that's going on. Um, Here's what I have. Here's how we have it set up. This is a problem where it seems like every maybe 5% of the time it doesn't go through. And literally as I was taking the screenshots, I read field value, refund request. Conditional logic trigger, refund. (laughs) Oh, so anyway, you, you guys, know, right, yeah, you guys know there's this, there's this new thing called email too, right? Like you can, people can send you messages through. Well, yeah, <laughs> and it's not Twitter. That's, this is true, and actually, that's where a I lot don't of like times, giving away my email address. <laughs> <laughs> we give away our support email, and that's where we actually found out about the problem a lot of times was because somebody wouldn't hear back, and so they would try to email us directly, and then yeah. we would look up. Um, so, anyway, all right, James. Ooh. Let's talk about WP Ninjas. All right, let's do it. All right. So I have no idea where we ended last time. 
Uh, I know we heard all about the company. We heard all about the products that you guys have built, the building, Ninja Forms, Ninja Demo. Um, why don't you walk us through maybe some of the, the highlights of the last six months or so? I believe you've hired a bunch of people. Is that right? Yeah. So I, I would say in the in the last six months, um, let me see. Let me let me do the math. We have probably uh, increased revenue somewhere around fifty to seventy five percent. Wow. And we have hired about, uh, I think we're right now we're at 10 people. Wow. All full-time? All full-time. Well, actually, no, because our, our CFO is kind of a uh, advisor CFO. He's not on payroll. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, so he's, he's got other work that he does, but he does kind of step in and kind of help us as we talk through some of our financial decisions. He's got a lot of uh, business and finance experience, so he's helpful in that regard. So nine full-time uh, staff members. Cool. And how are those uh, broken up? Some support, some development, some marketing? Yes. What are they? So we have three full-time support people. We have, of course, my business partner, who's our CTO and, and does, you know, obviously a great majority of our development. We have two other developers. Uh, one is full-time in the office and the other developer is actually in the Air Force, currently deployed in Afghanistan. Um, so he's a, like a side gig. Yeah. Yeah. So he's uh, so while he's in Afghanistan, he, he spends, you know, one day he'll be on a plane. You know, he's a uh, load master. So he'll kind of help load up the planes and get everything secure, fly with it, unload it, get, you know, transport stuff back and forth. He'll spend a whole day doing that. But every other day he's just kind of at camp and nothing else to do. So every other day he's working and developing and, you know, working on whatever stuff we assign him and kind of trucking away that way. So he's doing that. Eventually, his the goal is for him, to, he's going to be moving back here and he'll be in office. But for now, while he's while he's deployed, we're working with him. Great. Um, uh, just want to put one thing in perspective here. So we haven't talked to you. So when episode 13, when we talked to you and, yeah. and Kevin, that was February, mm-hmm. uh, February uh, 2014. So oh wow! It's, it's yeah, been yeah, like a year and a half. Oh, so it's been a year and a half. Yeah. Since I was thinking of six months, then a lot more has changed. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we but should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe we should back wow. it up a little bit more and and like find out like. So when did you guys even hire an employee number one? When when would that have been? Yeah, because thinking back, so, I don't think you had an employee yet. I think it was just the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You're right. In January. So you, you say January or February of 2014? Uh, February uh, 2014. Yeah. yeah. So in February at that point, um, Kevin was actually, I think if I remember correctly, uh, Kevin was still just, he was visit. He had been visiting and hadn't fully uh, moved back to, you know, he was still in the UK. Uh, and so he was still, you know, so he's still over there. We hadn't hired anybody at that point. So it was just me and Kevin kind of trudging away. I had actually just gone full time. I had just been full time for, you know, in February. I had left my job uh, December 31st of 2013. So I had just quit. Wow. Um, okay. So, so I want to yeah. step back and I want to put this in perspective for anybody who didn't catch this. In a year and a half, <laughs> which is when we talked to you guys last, yeah, you had just gone full time and Kevin was still part time. You were living on two different continents. Yeah. Really yeah. not yet running the business full time. And since yeah. then, 
you have hired me out of my home. Like you know. you're both here in the mm-hmm. States. You have a full office. That's a- mm-hmm. awesome. Well done, yeah. sir. Well done. When you say it like that, man, a lot has changed. Like I think sometimes when you're so close to your business and you're just you're just trucking along trying to do what's right by your customer and, and do what's right by your staff, and you sometimes lose perspective of how rapidly things can change. Absolutely. So yeah, it's it's a little bizarre when I hear it back like that. But yeah, in that amount of time, I mean we he, he moved back. We, you know, from the beginning, we worked out of my house out of this. I just had a room that I had set up as an office. We worked out of there. Then when we hired our support person in August 1st of 2014 is when they came on. Uh, so August 1st of 2014, we brought our support person in and they came and he came also because you know, we're all in the same town. It seems silly not to work together. So he would just come over to my house in the morning and we'd all just work out of, out of my out of my little home office. And it was getting crowded, like we were just uncomfortable. So we decided to go find a space to rent uh, for the three of us. And Ke- Kevin you know, kept hitting my elbows as I was typing. <laughs> it's true. It was tough. <laughs> tough. Um, so we we found a space uh, for like eight hundred dollars a month, and it, it was you know it was pretty beat up. It wasn't like a really glamorous space, but it worked for us. So we kind of moved in there, and we moved in there uh, pretty much. Yeah, August or September of 2014. So right after we hired Zach, uh, we moved into that space. And then in May of this year, we moved into the space we're in now. So that's, yeah, it's uh, that's a crazy. So clearly things are going well. Yeah, um, yeah. We all love to hear this the success stories, hear what's going well. Sure. Um, I want to know if, if there's cer- certain examples you can share like what didn't go well? What kind of challenges have you run into either, whether it was with hiring, with revenue, with growth, with management, any challenges that you would like to share over this pretty awesome process of the last year and a half? Sure. Uh, I I probably could think of a few, right? So like from the hiring perspective, I, I feel like, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but I feel like we broke all the rules as far as hiring, at least in the in the early stages. So, you know, Kevin, my business partner, we're like best friends. And they tell you never to go into business with your best friend because you're just gonna ruin your relationship and the business isn't gonna work out the way you think it's going to. But it seems to work for us. Our dynamic uh, together works out really well. And then when we hired our support person, he happened to be a friend of ours already. He was working, he was actually up in Illinois and working as a support tech for Amazon at their warehouse up there. And we kind of took him from there and had him join our team and he moved back here. And so we hired another friend. But the the trouble you we guys, had with hiring you guys have huge balls poaching from Amazon. They're coming. <laughs> I know, right. Well, it's funny because our second support person was an Apple support person. Um, you know, he worked from home and was working for Apple. So all of our support people are like, I feel like well-trained, top-notch, Amazon, Apple. Uh, the other our other support guy worked for as the administrative tech specialist for the Lee University, which we're right next door to. So they handled all, he handled all special events for technology. So graduations, registration, all that stuff he handled, um, as well as pretty much the entire administrative, you know, computer systems and networking and all that stuff. So he's our, he was our third support hire. So yeah, so, and, and the, other, the other challenging thing with that is none of our people were WordPress people. So we didn't hire people who like knew WordPress. As a matter of fact, none of our people knew WordPress. 
not not one of them actually now that I think about it. And so we had to we have to train them on WordPress, we have to train them on Ninja Forms, we have to train them on everything that we're doing. Uh, but the thing that's made us strong, I think, is we haven't had to train our developers on development, and we have not had to train our support people on support. Like they uh, know those things really well. Right. So. It's it's a lot easier to train someone on how to use software as opposed to how to do their job. I've, exactly. I've said this in the past as well. And I mean, the poster boy in the WordPress space of this is is Andrew Nason, right? Yep. Be, uh -huh. He came from Python. He's, he had a Python background before he got into to WordPress. Um, so there's, I think there's plenty of examples uh, of that as well. But yeah, it's it's so it makes so much more sense to me to hire someone who's uh, who can learn really well. Like they have other attributes. They don't know WordPress, but who cares, right? They can learn that right. in, in a weekend <laughs> or, or, you well, know, I mean, over time. Especially, especially if you're talking um, people that are, say, under the age of 45 or so, usually are going to be pretty well versed in computers uh, and, and tech in general. How often do you pick up new pieces of software and just start using it? It's not like that's a hard process. So right. teaching someone or training someone on the software that you use or develop isn't the big deal. But if you have to teach someone how to be a developer or you have to teach someone how to be a customer support rep, that's much more difficult. Yeah. I agree with Absolutely. you, James, though. It, it does seem like it's kind of goes against the rules, right? You see so many job postings out there for WordPress developer, right? Or, you know, WordPress support person or whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're really it, just it, looking for a support person. <laughs> and I mean, there is things to consider from a business perspective. You have to understand that when you bring those people on, you are not going to see the productivity that they can add to your team, sometimes for months into the future. It's not that they won't have any product, you know, any productivity. It's not that they're not going to solve any problems, but you're not really going to see the full potential of that position for months. It's an investment in the in the front end. Right. And um, sometimes that's, that's kind of hard to swallow. Yeah. Uh, what maybe maybe whether it's hard to swallow financially or not, but as the person that is saying writing their paycheck um, or signing off on it, that can be that can be difficult to be like, am or, I? Yeah. Is, or the person this, tutoring or, them. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's why whenever I've I've hired my my hiring perspective is really I'm hiring for attitude first, aptitude second, skill last, uh, and. I feel like, you know, skill I can teach or one of my people can teach depending on the area, but attitude is, is supremely important. I, if somebody can be a team player, can, can jump into the culture of the, of the group and, and be humble. And, you know, those are the things that I'm looking for. And then I, you know, aptitude is just the ability to pick up things quickly. They don't have to get it right immediately, but just the ability to say, okay, once I make this mistake, I'm generally not going to make it a second time. You know, that kind of thing is what I'm looking for. I don't care if people make mistakes as long as they don't make the same mistake repeatedly. Oh, I love that. That's that's probably my favorite thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, but I, I will say for us, for hiring, one of, the, one of the challenges for us is figuring out, you know, I had never had to hire anyone before. So the dynamic of how does that work in the interview process? What what am I going to need to figure out in that interview to figure out whether they're right for our team? Um, how do I, how do you phrase that offer? Uh, so, you know, we offered a few people um, 
you know, a few people, some offers to work for us who didn't end up taking it. Like one person, because they were just really happy in their, in their current position. And they, so we were really trying to poach them and they didn't, they didn't, they decided they didn't want to come. And the other person, we gave them an offer and they went back to their employer and told them what the offer was and they offered them more and we weren't willing to go any higher than that. And so they didn't end up taking the offer. So kind of figuring out that dynamic of, you know, when, where, how, like, what, how do you, how do you handle all this? It was a little bit of a learning, <laughs> a learning process for us. Yeah, I bet. What What's That's, your pitch to potential people that you're hiring? Like, what are the kind of values or, or what are the things that you're offering that, that like people the kind of value? benefits? Like, what do we say? Hey, here's the benefit of working for the WP Ninjas. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, because we're small, you know, we don't have, really have a benefits package per se. Mm-hmm. So we have to talk about a lot more of lifestyle benefits is, is tends to be what we pitch. So we don't work an eight hour day at the office. Um, Essentially we work, I guess what we would call a seven hour day and, and, you know, you can do whatever you want for lunch in there as far as how long you want to take. I don't care if you take two hours for lunch, as long as you're giving me about seven hours a day, I don't really care, but we have a flex. We don't really have remote workers, but we do have what we call, um, flexibility for remote. So, you know, one of our guys today uh, had a situation with his son and, and wanted to say, you know, just wanted to go home and work from home. It was just easier for the for that situation. And so to have that flexibility, that's a huge lifestyle benefit of I don't have to be in the office. I can do this somewhere else. Um, the, the freedom to kind of make, a, you know, I know for us, it's we take, kind of take this thing for advantages as kind of business owners that we can kind of make doctor's appointments whenever we want. We don't have to flex time or take people, you know, take time off. But for the general, the people that we were hiring, those were huge things like, oh, you mean I can just make a doctor's appointment in the middle of the day and it's not going to be a big deal? Yeah, go do that. Uh, so there's things like that that are, I think are lifestyle benefits. Well. Now we're working on retirement packages and figuring out what retirement looks like and uh, what um, you know what health benefits might look like. And we're obviously researching that. And as we grow, we're, we have no choice but to look into those things. But we want to create those things. Um, we're also uh, exploring success kind of a success sharing program uh, to kind of reward everyone kind of uh, equally for the work that's getting done when we hit certain milestones or certain goals that we're, we're trying to obtain for the year. So there's there's several things like that that we offer as far as benefits. Plus, I feel like in our area, so medium income in our area is 30000 It's really low. Um, so we're able to offer quite a bit, you know, generally quite a bit above that. And for even, you know, if for a basic support position or, um, you know, you know, even for our junior dev, like we're able to pay them more than they can pay and what they would make in their previous positions. So cool. So you said one of your employees was located in Illinois. Did they move back originally? Yeah. Yeah, they moved back. So we were talking to them. We knew we needed somebody for support. And it was just Kevin and I. And I did I did most of the support where Kevin did more of the more the technical stuff that needed to take, be taken care of. But we were getting we were we were we were seeing a trajectory where if we don't hire soon, we're going to get buried and we're never going to be able to progress at all. So we uh, he had been talking. Kevin had been talking to Zach, who was up in Illinois, back and forth some uh, for some time. And kind of reached out to him and he was looking to, he was actually looking to move back. Like he wanted to get back. He had his, his, he had family down here or his wife had family down here. They just had a new baby girl. And he's like, well, we'd like to be closer to, you know, closer to them. And so it just kind of worked out where we're like, okay, well, we can give you a position if you're looking for it. Yeah. And he, Stars he's been, aligned he's been there, didn't it? 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it was totally perfect. And he's been stellar. Like he is, he is dramatically improved. What's funny is, and we don't think about this from a support standpoint some as often as we should, but I, our support team impacts our product more than anything else, uh, more than our development. Like the developers in a lot of ways work for our support team. Well, um, let, let's be perfectly honest here. Your code can suck as long as you have great customer service. It's it's true. It's true. Um, we, Customers don't I, care I what they need. They just care that it works. Yeah. Uh, uh, good support can cover a multitude of sins when it comes to code. So uh, there's, defi- there's definitely some truth to that. Uh, so he's done great there. But not only that, he is actually, you know, as developers, you, you know, we have a tendency of getting into the, you know, the Apple, you're holding it wrong mentality. Uh, like, they call, somebody comes to, comes to you and says, you know, hey, this is really confusing. Why do you do it this way? And you're like, that's just the way it makes sense. You're holding it wrong. Like, you do it this way, and that, that, that will solve all your problems. And as being so close to the product for so long, I think Kevin and myself um, regrettably started to fall a little bit, not completely, but a little bit into that role. And bringing fresh eyes like Zach, who was dealing solely with customers, and not knowing anything about the code, would use the product based on the way the customer was questioning it. And we look at it and go, this is jacked up. Like, why are we doing it this way? And would challenge us then to say, okay, well, we need to fix this because it's increasing our support. And just by making this small tweak, we could probably get rid of who knows how many countless things. We've been seeing a lot of that recently with um, our t- two of our main support guys that have been really, really great about beta testing. Not just beta testing, but also like using it and looking at the customer's issue uh, mm-hmm. and analyzing not just what is the answer, like how do you get past it, but like why do they even have this question in the first place? Because yeah. if, if we have this question a lot, it's probably something we have done wrong or something we can improve. Yeah. And he challenged us. So we would, same thing, right? We would say that and he would come to us and say, you know, you know, why are we doing this? And my answer has always been, well, we just need better documentation then. And, <laughs> and his response was, no, we need a better product. Like, <laughs> like if you have to, if, if your answer is better documentation, it might be that the way you're doing it is just wrong. If you can fix it so that documentation is unnecessary, how much better is that? And so oh, yeah. that's a been ba- a good challenge for us. That's a, like a, the Band-Aid. Uh, the documentation is the Band-Aid. Versus it is. Like, it but I think we should be clear that that does not mean the documentation is not worthwhile. That's true. That's true. No, absolutely. I mean, you need documentation, but I mean, I think all of our goals, right, is that we want our software to be, and I, I will be the first to admit that our software is not this way in most areas, but you want your software to be so easy that when somebody installs it, it's just intuitive. They just know right. what to do first and what to do second and what to do absolutely. third. So trying to get that and making those adjustments, especially when you're you know, you have this huge thing that lots of people are already using and are accustomed to using it a certain way. And then you're trying to improve it for the, for the, you know, the, the, the lower, you know, lower end user may not be as adept or new to your product. It's challenging. Yep, definitely. Wow. James, you guys are doing awesome stuff. Um, it's been really fun to watch. Uh, I know, um, I feel like I'm in this privileged position of having known you guys from pretty early on and being able to watch how you've gone from zero to a hundred. It's pretty cool to watch. So congratulations on the success. I really appreciate it.
appreciate that. You've been you've been a super uh, super help to us. We consider you an extremely close friend, uh, not just in business, but uh, you know, obviously, you have helped us a lot in business. We've we've followed you for for some time, and and a lot of the decisions that we have made have been through discussion with you and, and figuring out what's been working with us and what's working since we have such similar business models. Um, and the fact is we have the business model we have because of easy digital downloads. So, I mean, well, let's, that, let's, that let's, was, let's be fair here. I borrowed it too. So it's not, oh, I, certainly, certainly. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's funny because when we came into it, there is, there's only a few people doing it. Like it was a, it was a, an untapped resource as far as a business model was concerned. Mm-hmm. And like when I came looking at it, it was, you know, you and WooCommerce and, you know, Jigga Shop and a few, you know, mostly e-commerce solutions. Um, we're doing it like crazy. And so to see that working uh, was was really instrumental in where we are today. Because had we not made that switch, I, I, I hold a lot of our success single-handedly to the add-on business model. Um, now we've done lots of things, other things that have helped us con- kind of keep that trajectory but I don't think we would have even gotten off the ground if it wasn't for that business model. It's, it's cool to see when um, drastic changes have really good effects. Mm, yes. Um, before we wrap up here, James, do you have yes. any questions for us or anything else that you would like to throw out? Um, hmm, questions for you guys. <laughs> um, no, you know, I don't. I, you know, I, I will say this, um, and I, I definitely would love to follow up with you guys in, in the future. Uh, with as far as it pertains to Ninja Forms, we're getting ready to do a pretty big UI UX overhaul. Um, I think we're doing something fairly unprecedented in the sense that we've hired a company that does amazing user experience and user interface design to help us kind of rethink what it looks like to build a form from scratch. And when they first came to us, uh, when we first came to them and they came to us with their the first kind of deliverable on it, it was very much kind of a, almost felt it was a clean and well-designed reskin of the way pretty much every form builder looks. And it, you guys have used, I'm sure, several of them. And so, you know, every form builder looks essentially the same. Little tweaks, little minor differences, but they, they essentially look the same. So we went back to them and said, hey, if you guys were building your own product, your own form builder, what would it look like? And what they've come back with and the discussions that we've had back and forth and our own input uh, is something that's really very, very different. So oh, I'm can't wait really, to see it. I'm that's, really excited to, to, very to show it to you guys and get some feedback. And I'm sure we'll put out some some betas and, and some demo sites for people to kind of kick the tires and give us feedback on it. But I'm, I'm really excited to see how this shifts because it's a it's a big investment of time, but it's also almost an this part is what Kevin hates is in a lot of ways, it's a rebuild of the entire plugin because it requires so much change. Right. So it's a, uh, it's challenging. Which can be challenging, especially when you have other people that are extending it. Yeah. Like that, there's some things that's scary and, you know, I know you guys are huge advocates, right. Of backwards compatibility and it's so important. And we're, we're now at the point now where we're like, Oh, I don't know how we do that. <laughs> like I, in this new format, I don't know if that's, that's even possible. So now we're trying to figure out like how do you how do you break backwards compatibility, but do so in a way that assists the customer through that process painlessly. Is and, so? Is it off the table then to just call this thing a new product, a separate product? Uh, I think we've really established our brand pretty well at this point. Um, I would I would kind of hate to change that direction and lose that that brand on it. 
Um, so well, you could, uh, yeah, you know, call it like it. Ninja Forms Plus or something, <laughs> you know. It's it, you know, that that is a possibility. Um, but you know, I think when you you put so much, uh, I think you put so much sweat equity into a product and a brand, and you get, you know, we have anywhere between 200 and 300 active installs, uh, which I would hate to, you know, I'd hate to thousand? kind of lose. What was that? Thousand? Yeah. yeah. Did, I, did I say something different? You said, you said two or 300. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, we have two, 300 <laughs> active <laughs> installs. Pretty impressive. Pretty <laughs> with that. Slight difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, between 200 and 300,000 active installs. And, you know, I think, uh, I think, for their sake, even it's not even just for the sake of you know breaking off or ruining the brand. I think it. Uh, I think as a customer, you want to stay where you're at. Like you want to stay with the brand that you're at. You don't want to feel like you're kind of shifting gears. So we'll figure yeah. it out. I'm sure no, we'll do something. I hate it. I hate it when a product that I'm using they like just spin off like a separate product that's almost identical, but like has like a new UI or something. And you, it's not yeah. a very good customer experience. Usually. No, I, I yeah. like it when they update the product and it looks so much better and awesomer and I haven't had to do anything, you know, like that's, that's what you want. That's, right? that's what we're working towards. I think one of the, one of our solutions to that may be almost having a dual code base. Um, right. So if you have old add-ons that don't, dis- don't support the new UI, um, you will just serve you the old UI until you get everything updated. And we'll put notices in there and say, hey, you know, if you want to see all the really cool new bells and whistles, then you need to update these add-ons and whatever. So I think there's some ways that we can get around it. It's just, it's a painful process. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, look forward to hearing how all of that works out in the next six months, month and a half, yeah. year, whatever your time frame is. Um, maybe we'll have to get you back on here for a third iteration. That would be awesome. I'd really enjoy it. Where can people find you, James, on the, online? Uh, you can find me on my on uh, Twitter at James Laws. Um, you can also find my find me on my website, JamesLaws.com, which is uh, hopefully we'll start getting more content here in the future, uh, where I try to blog a little bit about business and things that we're learning as, as a company. And of course, WPNinjas.com or NinjaForms.com or at WPNinjas on Twitter. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for your time, James. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, James. See you, everybody.